Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Today is Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. Roland Martin on the Bill broadcasting live from Indianapolis, Indiana, where the uh, Stewart uh, Lecture Series is taking for Stewart Brothers Lecture Series taking place. Great panel, State of Black America. I'll tell you more about that later in the show. But first off, NCAA, based here in Indianapolis, makes a decision allowing for athletes to sell their likeness. We'll explain and talk to the California State Senator, one who co-sponsored this bill that caused the NCAA's reaction today. Also, the Congressional Black Caucus, they remember Congressman John Conyers, who died on Sunday at the age of 90. He announced the blows, and she also, um, she also, of course, has words of encouragement for the Conyers family. We'll be discussing that on the show as well. In North Carolina, three judges say the congressional districts there, political gerrymandering, they must be redrawn. Could this cause the Democrats to increase their control in the U.S. House, also on today's show, uh, the double wars. Apologize to Kirk Franklin. He says, though, they still have not done enough 
to repair the damage by editing out his social justice comments. And also, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we'll speak to that critical issue that impacts African-American women. Folks, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. today. Uh, we often say so goes California, so goes the nation, and I think today demonstrated that. We had fought long and hard to address this issue, and it's nothing that's new to California or this nation as we talk about fair treatment to athletes uh, through the uh, by the NC2A, I should say. And I'm appreciative of your attention and uh, effort in uh, exposing this, not only um, uh, after SB 206, but being a champion uh, well before this. So thank you for having me today. And what, what, now granted, now if you look at what they decided, there's still or kinks that have to be worked out. There are a couple of federal bills uh, that are going to be filed. Now you have, of course, uh, State Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina. As a result of this action, he now wants to say, well, if athletes will do this, they should start taxing the scholarship. We'll see how far that goes. Uh, but let's be clear. There are people who are angry with what California did, with what you did, because they have been profiting off of the bodies of the athletes, especially black athletes, for decades. Without a doubt. And the NCA, this won't impact the NCA or the university whatsoever. This will just allow that young student athlete, be it male or female, to hire an agent, hire an attorney, and 
own their name, likeness, and image as any other student or any other individual uh, can in America. Even if you're a scholarship, uh, say, uh, music student on full scholarship, you can teach music lessons. But if you're a scholarship athlete, you can't teach swimming, uh, football, baseball, whatever the case where your area of expertise, you can't benefit off those talents so this is just allowing them to be able to own their image like anyone else here in the united states of america and it follows suit of what we've allowed olympic athletes to do for now in the last 20 years i want to bring in taylor branch he authored a book years ago called the cartel uh inside the rise and fall of the ncaa we had him on my show washington watch on tv1 when that book came out taylor uh, you were you were planned right on something else, but then when you begin to look at this thing, you begin to realize uh, how the NCAA, uh, frankly, was abusing student athletes, uh, making billions of dollars. And in fact, the guy who led the NCAA for years admitted this was a faulty system when it came to the, the so-called student athlete, which really wasn't even as you wrote, was a term that a lawyer came up to defend the NCAA in a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh, that's absolutely right, uh, Roland. And it's really good that the senator and California are getting involved because this is at, ba- at bottom a constitutional issue. Um, one of the great principles established by the Constitution is that people shouldn't be a judge in their own case. And the NCAA is demanding the right to be the sole judge of who gets to keep the money generated by the athletes. And not surprisingly, they are deciding to keep it themselves and say that the athletes can't have any. Uh, so I, I think the fact that California passed this law is a great step forward, but I do want to caution people. The NCAA will hang on to this money as long as it can, and there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, even in the statement that's done today. I'm looking at it, and it said that they'll do it provided that there's a distinction between collegiate and professional opportunities and that student-athletes uh, can't get—it's not permissible— to get compensation. So they're saying that they want any benefits from the, the use of the likenesses to be educational benefits, not in the form of actual compensation, like 14 other 14 million college undergraduates who have jobs outside the classrooms get paid, and nobody regulates them except these athletes. So uh, I want to congratulate the senator for breaking this down in, in, um, in California. But I, I want to caution people that, uh, frankly, I think the dam is breaking, and this action by the NCAA is going to make people only angry because it's not what they're trying to make everybody think it is. And Senator and Bradford, at particular point, they, they saw, of course, that Florida was moving forward, some other states. And, the, and just to what Taylor said, uh, these states, their state laws will be governing athletes in their state. Now, I want to I be sure. Uh, get thoughts on that. But also, let me be clear. The bill that you put forth impacts state universities or all college athletes, whether they go to private colleges or public colleges. It's all colleges that participate in NC2A here in California. And so to what Taylor's point, is it important people to understand that the state law frankly, overrides uh, whatever the NCAA comes up with. That's correct. Absolutely. And, 
Roland, people need to remember the NCAA has never had any legal sanction. It's a private agreement among the universities. Exactly. Uh, that's why I called it a cartel. It's a classical cartel. They, they agree that they're not going to pay their labor. So uh, it doesn't have any, um, any legal sanction whatsoever. And, but finally, um, states are beginning to address uh, this injustice through state law, and it, it's a good benefit. We just, we just have to be careful because yeah, there, I, there, there will be smoke and mirrors uh, to, to try to conceal um, uh, what they're doing and make us think that everything's all right. And I, I totally comment. agree with that, and we don't think by no means that this is the end of it, but I think it's a great start, and we need to continue to have the dialogue and making sure as this moves forward, we address all those concerns because, yes, the NCAA is just not going to lay down and just give us what we want. But, again, we saw they saw the tide, I should say, was shifting when you had 12 other states who already uh, indicated that they were going to introduce similar legislation um, next year, you had uh, two members of Congress, uh, Cedric Richmond out of uh, Louisiana and Mark Walker out of North Carolina, who had already introduced legislation uh, on the federal level. So I, I think, uh, again, that pressure moved the NC2A to do something. When we initially uh, introduced this bill in February, they stated they were going to put together a task force and look at it. When when the bill was heard in August and, and late early September, they still hadn't put together that task force to look at it. So we kind of forced our hand to move, but we're surprised they moved All right, to this degree Steve, so quick. Senator Stephen Bradford, I appreciate it. Taylor Branch, thank you so very much. Thank you very much, Roland. Thank you. thank you, Senator. Good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. I want to bring in my panel here. Joining me right now is Kelly Bethea, communication strategist, uh, Melek Abdul, Republican strategist, and also Dr. Jason Nichols, uh, Department of African-American Studies at University of Maryland. Jason, I want to start with you. This is a huge issue. As Taylor said, there's some other things that have to be worked out. NCAA is going to try to, try to uh, frame this to their benefit, but the bottom line is, is here. They're not going to be able to get around state and federal law. No, that's absolutely correct, and and I think it's a great thing. I, as you mentioned, I remember the Ed O'Bannon uh, situation and him wanting to profit off of his own likeness. We also have to remember uh, the teams of the '90s with uh, Jalen Rose and the others, and them having to actually cover themselves up with T-shirts because they didn't feel they felt that people were. Uh, using their likeness and them not profiting, them not being able to put gas in their cars or eat dinner at night. Um, so I think this is a really important step forward for athletes all over. I hope that this, that the you know things continue. I did hear what uh, Taylor Branch said, and I'm a big fan of Taylor Branch for the books he's written. But uh, I heard what he said, and, and I think we do have to be cautious. But of course, you know, federal and state law so certainly supersedes uh, what the NCAA says. Uh, Kelly, what you're dealing with here is billions of dollars. The NCAA does not want athletes making money. What this is about is a star athlete being able to make his own money uh, or her money off of signing their autographs, signing their jerseys. Uh, and look, it, it comes to demand. If nobody out there wants to pay for their likeness, they don't pay for them. But if you're a star athlete, there's an opportunity for you to get paid. I never understood exactly why that wasn't the case in the first place, especially when the decision was made to monetize um, off of student athletes, because in amateurism, you Easy, a... cheap labor. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I understand, you know, that was a rhetorical question. But um, to your point, 
this I don't see anything wrong with this from the athletes point of view again um, as we talked about this a couple weeks ago this is more or less um, indentured servitude before this uh, um, policy just came into play today um, these students uh, like tuition isn't going to cut it you know a free ride to college isn't going to cut it when these colleges and universities are making money way after these students are either graduated or just not in their program anymore. So kudos to the NCAA for opening their eyes and actually taking the right step in the right direction. Melek, the real issue is this here. If you are a music scholarship, if you want a music scholarship at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Alabama, or any one Jackson of these universities, State. you can go out, make money, off of your musical talent. What the NCAA says is that you cannot make money off of your athletic talent. In fact, it even says that it's if, if, that if I was if a journalism major mm -hmm. and played basketball and a newspaper or a magazine or a blog or a website wanted to pay me to write a journal on the season, the NCAA was say that is illegal because I'm using my athletic talents to be able to make money. What Senator Bradford said is, what's good for the music scholarship student should be good for the athlete. Absolutely. And this is something that, you know, of course, it's been a long time um, in the making. And surprise, surprise, that the NCAA actually, you know, they did something that a lot of people didn't think that they were going to do. Now, we know, and that you use the best analogy in talking about the music student and the things that someone on a music scholarship would be able to do, you know, that's probably one of the best analogies out there so people can really understand the depth of what it is that we're talking about. One of the things that you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, this is a great thing that athletes now will be able to make money. And as you say, you know, it's no guarantee that, you know, they're going to make money, but giving them the, the opportunity to do so, I definitely appreciate that. One of the things that I was thinking about, and I said, I think the last time I was on the show, in light of the, you know, very well-received um, article from Jamel Hill talking about, you know, um, players going to HBCU, I do kind of wonder what, whether or not, you know, that if if that would be the trajectory, whether or not people will actually go towards HBCUs now because they have an opportunity to go to one of the big tier schools and make a lot of money. But overall, I think it's a great well, thing. Bob, a well, Bob, well, Bob Line is, look, players are going to the major schools to be on television. That's what it boils down to, to be in front of those millions of audience and to go into the NFL. That's what's happening here. But this is about, again, if somebody out there wants a player to be able to sign autographs and pay them 20 bucks, now they can actually make some money. But we'll see, as Taylor Brand said, what happens with the NCAA rules. Folks, let's right. go to our next story. The Congressional Black Caucus last night took to the floor of the House to pay tribute to the longest-serving African-American serving in the U.S. House in Congress, Congressman John Conyers, who died on Sunday at the age of 90. Here is what folks such as Congressman John Lewis had to say about the former dean of the House. Mr. Speaker, I rise today to pay tribute to Congressman John Conyers. He was one of the 13 founding members of the Congressional Black Caucus. And I stand here today joining the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, Karen Bass, and recognizing that he served for 53 years in the U.S. House of Representatives, making him one of the longest serving House members in history and the first African American to hold the title of Dean. Congressman Conyers was born in Detroit 
and on May 16, 1929, the eldest of four sons of John and Lucille. He attended Detroit Public Schools and graduated from Northwestern High School. After graduating, he served in the National Guard and then joined the U.S. Army. He was inspired by his friend, Dr. Martin Luther King, to run for office and was elected to the House of Representatives in 1964. His first hire was civil rights hero, Rosa Parks. As a human rights and civil rights champion, Mr. Conyers opposed the death penalty and fought the police brutality, and he also led co-led, led a co-sponsor for the voting rights of 1965. Mr. Conyers also assisted in helping in passing the Help America Vote Act, the Violence Against Women, the Motor Vehicle Bill, the Jazz Preservation Act, and the Martin Luther King Holiday Act. I want to uh, enter into the record the statement by the Honorable Eddie Bernice Johnson in her statement about the congressman. She said, I pay tribute to the life and legacy of a distinguished public servant and colleagues, John James Conyers, Jr., who passed away this weekend. And she asked that her colleagues join her in extending the sympathies to Congressman Conyers' wife, Monica Conyers' son, John Conyers III and Carl Edward Conyers and all whom he influenced over the course of his life. May he rest in peace. Mr. Speaker, I want to thank the young lady from uh, Michigan. Well, you're still very young for bringing us together to honor John Conyers. The former dean of the House of Representatives and the co-founder of the Congressional Black Caucus, John Conyers was born at a time when we needed someone to stand up, to speak up and speak out, and to get in the way of getting what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. As a matter of fact, John Conyers and Martin Luther King Jr was born the same year. So maybe, maybe history, faith, and maybe God Almighty placed the two of them here to work together. Before being elected to Congress, Mr. Kanye served in the Korean War and on the staff of Representative John Dinger. When the people of Michigan elected Mr. Kanye in 1964, he brought Congress to the front line of the civil rights movement. And he took civil rights, voting rights, labor rights, and human rights to the United States Congress. John Conyers, perhaps more than any other member of Congress, he made trips over and over again to the South to identify with the struggle going on in the South. 
He came to Alabama, to Georgia, Mississippi, and other parts of the Deep South. Mr. Speaker, Representative Kanye was one of two members of Congress, both from Michigan, who voted on the original and every single reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act. He could give us the backstory of every major law from the Civil Rights Act of 1968 to a 20 year effort to establish a National Day of Service honoring my friend and leader, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When Rosa Parks, a person who I got to know so well, was forced to leave a home state of Alabama after the Montgomery bus boycott, Mr. Kanye, more than anyone else, gave her a position on his staff. And she was very proud and pleased to work in the office of John Conyers. She served in his district office for 23 years. The record should be clear. John Conyers loved music, but he loved jazz. He loved jazz more than any other form of music. He loved this institution, and he dedicated his life to realizing the dream of what our nation could be. He was other people, and he was for the people. On this difficult day, I offer my deepest condolences to his beloved wife, sons, family, and the people of Michigan who mourn his loss. May he rest in peace and in power. Speaker Nancy Pelosi also released a statement last night. This is what she had to say. Chairman Conyers' life was lived in service to achieving true equality in America. His leadership made a difference in the lives of countless Americans. As a founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus and then as chairman of the Oversight Committee and chairman of the Judiciary Committee. His legislative leadership leaves a powerful legacy from his work to protect the right to the ballot box, to ensure the right of every American to affordable health care and to recognize Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a federal holiday. May it be a comfort to Monica, their children, John and Carl, and the entire Conyers family that so many mourn their loss and are praying for them during this sad time. As I said yesterday, uh, President, former President Bill Clinton and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton released a statement as well. We have yet to hear from President Barack Obama about the life and legacy of Congressman John Conyers. Going to a break, when we come back, we'll talk about what's happening in North Carolina when it comes to political gerrymandering. Could this lead to Democrats expanding their lead in the House? Also, Dove, the Dove Awards, apologizes to Kirk Franklin, but they've still got some work to do. All of that next on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Indianapolis, site of the Stewart Lecture Series and their annual State of Black America conversation. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, 
you'll know it. All right, family, it's almost time. The holiday season is my favorite time of the year. And whether you celebrate Thanksgiving, Ramadan, Christmas, Kwanzaa, or New Year's, this is when you think about spending time with the people you love most. This is also the time to count your blessings and support those less fortunate and look at how you can have an impact on their lives. Well, I have the perfect opportunity for you to be a holiday hero and have a major impact on other families. Now, here's the deal. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Americans are sitting in jail without being convicted of a crime. Why? Because they lack the financial resources to pay their bail. Now, think about it. If you are arrested for any minor offense, you'll be taken directly to jail. If you don't have bail money, whether it's a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, you will stay there until a court date is scheduled. That could be days, weeks, or even months. Now, America's bail system is broken and has created a two-tier system of justice, one for the rich and another for the poor. Folks, freedom should be free. And that's why the Ebony Foundation has partnered with the Bail Project and is sponsoring the Home of the Holiday Campaign. Now, with your help, the goal is to bail out a 1,000 people by New Year's Day. Now, a donation from you today can change someone's life tomorrow. And this is critical because people of color represent upwards of 90% of the jail population across the country. Now, when folks stay in jail, 90% of the people with misdemeanors end up pleading guilty because they want to get out of jail. However, when bail was paid, 50% of the cases were dismissed and less than 2% received a jail sentence. Sometimes justice needs just us. To join the fight to be a holiday hero, you can donate 25, 50 bucks or more to help the Ebony Foundation bring our brothers and sisters home by the holiday. To donate, go to homebytheholiday.com. That's homebytheholiday.com. Please support them now. All right, folks, let's talk about what happened in North Carolina, where judges in North Carolina uh, have ruled against political gerrymandering, ordering new congressional maps to to be drawn for the 2020 election. This, of course, uh, is an issue that we have been covering for quite some time, as North Carolina is one of the most egregious states when it comes to this issue of partisan politics. Joining us right now uh, is the head of a Democracy NC, a group that has been also uh, fighting uh, these various issues, uh, Tomas, Tomas Lopez. Tomas is the director of Democracy North Carolina. Glad to have you back, sir. Great to be here. Looks like we're finally created some headway. When the, when the uh, Supreme Court ruled that they could not rule on political gerrymandering, they kicked it back to the states. That opened the door for what is happening in North Carolina. You're in one of the places where, of course, Democrats have been able to break the stranglehold on the state Supreme Court and been able to get some fairness in the court system there. Now we have judges ruling against North Carolina. Republicans are fighting this tooth and nail. They are desperate to hold on to power. They actually try to uh, and uh, try to to draw the lines to even try to have a to have a 10 to 3 advantage and they said they couldn't figure out how the 11 to 2 advantage and then they've been using of course in a lawsuit using those very words against the republicans this decision by these judges again speaks to people having a fair shot at elections in your state that's right roland this is a really significant development you know, what we've had in North Carolina since 2011 is systemic gerrymandering, first on the basis of race and then on the basis of political affiliation. Earlier this summer, the U.S. Supreme Court said, you know what, the U.S. Constitution doesn't say anything about this. We're kicking it to the states. And North Carolina, the courts have stepped up. So in September, a state court panel came out and said that North Carolina's state legislative districts violated the state constitution. And just the other day, that same panel came out and said that the congressional districts violated North Carolina's own state constitution as well. 
And, of course, uh, when you talk about what this does is uh, it makes it possible to break the stranglehold. Part of the problem in these southern states is that Republicans control both uh, the House and the Senate. In many cases, uh, a a majority proof, uh, a supermajority, if you will. Uh, And it it has been really a more than a decade fight in North Carolina ever since uh, President Obama won in 2008 to be able to break through in North Carolina. That's right, Roland. One of the things that you know you mentioned was that this has been going on for a decade. And when the legislature drew the maps where there was a deliberate partisan gerrymander, and like you said, with those congressional maps, the legislator in charge of the process actually said, we are drawing these maps to favor Republican candidates because we believe that's better for the country. The reason they explicitly said that was because courts had already said that the previous maps that they had gerrymandered were unlawful because they had either what we call packed or cracked districts on the basis of race. So this is a long-running story, and this uh, is a really important development. Uh, again, so this is a great decision there. Hopefully we'll see some fairness, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see this spread to other states as well because, frankly, uh, political gerrymandering makes no sense at all. It is unfair across the board uh, when you talk about Republicans and Democrats. Uh, but the reality is uh, you have some cases where it happens with Democrats, but we really have seen uh, this sort of severe uh, political partisan gerrymandering by Republicans in control of places like Wisconsin, North Carolina, uh, in so many other states. Precisely. Well, there are instances where Democrats have drawn gerrymandered maps. So it points to Maryland as an example. You look at places like Texas, Wisconsin, as examples of other states where this has been a real issue. What you have are situations where gerrymandering effectively dilutes individuals' voting powers on the basis of either their race or their political affiliation. And what the court said was that this violated state protections for equal protection under the law, free elections under the law, and free speech and free association. That you can't discriminate against people on the basis of their viewpoint or for associating with people on the basis of their viewpoint. And that's what makes this ruling so powerful because what you have here is a roadmap for potentially uh, seeing similar rulings in other states. Tomas Lopez, Democracy North Carolina. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. I want to go to my panel real quick here. Malik, the bottom line is that uh, this is a great decision for democracy. Uh, we should have fair elections all across this country. Uh, and again, you had Republicans in North Carolina uh, who said that they couldn't, they could not figure out how to make it an 11 to 2 Republican majority. So they had to settle for 10 to 3. And the Republican legislator who was in charge of that said, oh, I was just joking. Yeah, this is a good day for the residents, voters in North Carolina. I think it's a good thing. And I actually like the effort that's going around the country, specifically in places like Illinois, where I think there's about a, a, a group of about 23 or so organizations who are um, promoting the, I think it's the f- something, the Fair Map Amendment or something like that. And what that is, is that they decided that what they wanted to do, they wanted a commission to actually choose the congressional district. And that, and that commission would be inclusive of both Democrats and Republicans. So there are people all around the country who are looking at gerrymandering. And I, this is a good day for the residents of North Carolina, but I think this is something that will probably spread. I know the mayor and the governor of Illinois at this point are behind the new effort. So I think it's a great thing. Anytime, anytime that we can give mm-hmm. people the, op- the option to vote and not suppress the vote, I think it's a great thing.
Not sure about that, Kelly. The only difference here is that you had uh, the court system uh, and breaking Republican stronghold on the court system on the state Supreme Court level and in other positions as well. The problem is, again, when Republicans have packed the bench to guarantee that they will have rulings that favor them. And what's ironic about this is that the federal, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Supreme Court said that this Republican-heavy um, Supreme Court said that this is actually a state issue, and then the state said that, you know, North Carolina was wrong. So it kind of backfired on their end in terms of this strategy of packing the courts. Um, I don't see uh, any other reason for this rationale other than the fact that they're trying to hoard and conserve power on their end. Um, but that's not what democracy is about. So kudos to the plan backfiring. Jason, you do, uh, Melody talked about a commission, but in Michigan, they created one, and the Republicans tried to overturn the will of the voters and, frankly, uh, affect the budget of that commission because they were not happy that a commission has been approved by a ballot measure in Michigan to draw their lines. Right. Uh, you know, across the country, we've had these issues with uh, gerrymandering and trying to manipulate votes. I agree with both Melody and uh, Kelly. What they said is you know, the federal government or the Supreme Court already said that federal judges cannot get involved in this, that this is a state issue. Uh, and we're seeing how state judges and, and state courts are actually trying to make it so that people can actually vote. Um, and North Carolina is, is a battleground state. Uh, I think we're going to see these kinds of things when, you, when you're dealing with the census that's coming up in 2020. Uh, redistricting is done by the party in power. So we really have to keep an eye on this, uh, be ready to sue when, when we see things that are irregular. All right, folks, got to go to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. That's next, Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keeps it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Taking place in Cabo, November 7th through the 11th. Of course, if you want to attend, uh, go to lifeluxjazz.com, L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-J-A-Z-Z.com. But if you cannot be in Cabo for those four days, 14 different uh, amazing artists, then, of course, you could live stream it. Get, get your live stream pass at gfntv.com. That's gfntv.com. As I said, amazing artists, Gerald Albright. Alex Bunyang, Kirk Whalem, Donna McClurkin, uh, Shalia, Roy Ayers. Uh, man, it's going to be an unbelievable uh, three-day extravaganza. And so uh, look forward to you participating. And again, get your live streaming pass to cover those three days, all 14 concerts. You'll be able to watch right here on your phone, on your uh, iPad computer. Does not matter. Go to gfntv.com. That's gfntv.com to get your live stream pass. 
All right, folks, uh, welcome back. I'm here in Indianapolis uh, at the Stewart Lecture Series, the State of Black America annual conversation. You might recall last year I also uh, moderated the conversation, so looking forward to it uh, tonight as well. This is October. It is, of course, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It is an issue that affects uh, women, but also men. You might recall that Matthew Knowles earlier this month announced that he has been diagnosed with breast cancer. It is an issue uh, that affects African Americans more so than anyone else. Um, when you talk about those numbers, uh, black women get ble- breast cancer at a slightly lower rate than white women, yet they are 42% more likely to die of the disease. Uh, it is a huge issue against for many of us. Joining us right now is Ricky Fairley, president and thought leader for Dove Marketing and herself a breast cancer survivor. Um, uh, uh, first of all, Ricky, I mentioned Matthew Knowles. Um, there have been other African-American men, Ed Brooke, former um, a United States senator, uh, who's been impacted by breast cancer. And so when people think of this, they think of women being impacted, but men are impacted by breast cancer as well. They are. Richard Roundtree had breast cancer, um, but for men, it's only a 1% incidence rate for men. So it's a, it's a small number of men, but guess what, Roland? Black men die at three times the rate because they're not getting mammography, they're not getting the, the kind of care that white men get, and they're probably getting it at a later stage. So it's a big problem for black men when uh, they but- get it. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and the reason I wanted to say that it impacts those black men, uh, obviously it impacts black women more than anybody else because uh, we can't ignore it act as if it doesn't exist. And so we talk about those disparities. Uh, what has been done to lower those disparities? Uh, of course, the Affordable Care Act had a huge impact on the uh, health of African-Americans. Uh, have we seen uh, the result of uh, increased detection uh, as a result of African-Americans now being able to afford health care through the Affordable Care Act as opposed to before? Not really, and, and mammography has increased. So more women are getting mammograms. But what happens, what's happening in a lot of cases is you go to get your mammogram, you get a not-so-great result, they call you back and say, okay, you need to come back in tomorrow to do some more diagnostic testing, and guess what? They go back, and the MRI or the sonogram or whatever they need for diagnostic testing costs $2,000 or has a $4,000 copay. So they can't afford to do the, the, the rest of the testing to get checked to find out if they even really do have breast cancer and so they don't do it they forego it and they die you know that's that's one of the main things that's happening with even with the diet so even though they're getting mammography free the rest of the testing isn't covered and they have to pay for it and so when you look at this conversation taking place among the democratic presidential candidates medicare for all uh what options do we have to provide folks being able uh to get checked to get screened because if i can afford a mammogram but can't afford the uh, more rigorous test and then all of a sudden I get breast cancer. Right. Says we're screwed. We're screwed. We and we really need to, the, the 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 insurance needs to cover the whole diagnostic process and then also the treatment process because even now a lot of the the chemotherapy drugs are coming in pill form. And so if you have some hospitalization, you can go to the doctor, you, you know, like I have a port. You can have the, you know, you have chemo through the port. But sometimes now you're getting a chemo in a pill which requires you to go to a pharmacist. And you have to, you know, have a pharmacy plan and a drug plan to get those drugs, and you can't afford it. A pill could cost $1,000 or $2,000, and so you can't afford it. So even once you get treated and you get the chemo, you know, you may not be able to afford the pill, which is crazy. We shouldn't have to worry about money so, with health care. 
And for the folks who are watching, what do you want them to do? Uh, what should they be actively involved in when it comes to this whole issue of, uh, of pushing insurance companies to cover this? What, do you, what kind of activism do you want to see? Well, um, I work for an organization called Sisters Network, Inc. We are the only national black breast cancer foundation, and we're run by survivors. And we are trying to basically raise money right now just to go to get legislation passed, to talk to our congresspeople, to you know, to help women out who are in treatment and can't afford the care right now. And we have a fund where people can, you know, kind of apply for money if you need your rent paid, if you need something paid for, to try to help them out in this sort of vacuum where we don't have care and we don't have the coverage that we need. Our website is sistersnetworkinc.org. So we have a, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary right now. If anyone wants to, you know, give us a donation, that would be great. But the money will go to good use because we're using it to work through our local legislators. We have 18 chapters across the country and also to help women who are in need. And that's really important to make sure our sisters are, are being treated properly. All right, Ricky Fairley, we certainly appreciate all the work that you are doing. Hopefully, folks uh, will reach out uh, and contribute to the cause because uh, we have to be willing to support our own. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland, so much. Take care. Uh, all right, folks, going to a break right now. We come back. We're going to talk Kirk Franklin and apology from Dove Awards, but is that enough? That's next at Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, for the 50th annual Dove Awards took place this year and did not suit well for Kirk Franklin. As we told you yesterday, uh, he released a video uh, blasting them and TBN for editing his comments where he spoke about the death of Antiana Jefferson, shot by a former Fort Worth police officer. Uh, the Dove Awards uh, has since responded, apologizing to Kirk Franklin. Uh, this is the statement that they actually issued uh, on yesterday on the heels of the 50th annual Dove Awards celebration. I want to thank everyone who came and helped us fulfill our mission to spread the gospel through music for all the world to see. Uh, and then they go on to explain their mission. Then they say, due to our broadcast window, we had to significantly end the Dove telecast to two hours, which aired Sunday, October 20th. In light of this, we understand that many were disappointed because there were so many memorable moments and noteworthy portions of acceptance speeches absent. Specifically, we were made aware of troubling concerns regarding the edit of Kirk Franklin's acceptance speech. At the request of Kirk's team, we held our response regarding those concerns until we were able to speak with Kirk privately, apologize directly, and discuss resolutions to rectify this unfortunate issue. And so they go on and on and on uh, with their statement. You can actually read it online, but uh, Kirk is not fully satisfied because they have not fully put things in place uh, when it comes to what to do there. I want to pull in our panel right now. Uh, I want to start with you, Kelly. Look, bottom line here is that uh, this is the second time this happened. It happened in 2016. Now it's happening in 2019. And Kirk Franklin said that ain't no coincidence that his speech where he talked about social justice and black folks being killed by police got cut. I'm not surprised by it either. If you have any inkling of what it's like to be in the white evangelical space, it is extremely conservative, whether you're black, white, purple, what have you. Um, just because you have a person of color, you know, on, as the face making the statement does not necessarily mean that 
they uh, endorse or support what Kirk Franklin was trying to say in his speech. Um, as someone who grew up in a mega church, who had was in leadership in a mega church, I understand and um, was frankly very frustrated with the fact that politics and and racism was um, sadly integrated into religion. And Kirk Franklin um, was just frankly just trying to. Uh, illuminate a problem in, in his world, specifically in his hometown. The fact that they, you know, tried to censor that is, is just unchristian in and of itself. So just because you're trying to cut to two hours to uh, save money and time and what have you, that definitely could have been integrated in the two hours. Something else could have been cut. Um, this, this statement from TBN and the like, it, there's just no excuse for it. Uh, Jason, bottom line here is uh, the Devil War screwed up again. They apologized after 2016, according to Kirk, and then here we are, history's repeating itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's no excuse for it. This is not an accident. It's, I think this had nothing to do with time constraints. Uh, I think that they actually didn't want something that they thought would rock the boat. They didn't want the you know proverbial Kanye moment of uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people. They didn't want that with Kirk Franklin. And they didn't want to offend anyone. But I think what they have to understand at the moment is that Kirk Franklin speaks for himself. And, you know, allowing him to express himself, that's what people do with music. And if you want musicians to be able to express themselves through their music, they also have to be able to express themselves in their words. And giving him the opportunity to talk about things that are, you know, central to his being, central to his faith, central to his beliefs, uh, I think is really important. And they made a huge mistake here. And I hope that they, you know, this obviously isn't a mistake. This is something that they did. Uh, and I hope that they learned their lesson here, because I'm sure there was a, a significant backlash. Melik, your comment. I think it's a good thing that Kirk did here. He stood up. He put, you know, put himself on the line, put himself out like that. And I think it's a good thing. My question is, is that, you know, what, what, what are the remedies that he's seeking and whether or not he would participate, even if they decide to do whatever it is that he would want them to do, whether or not he would participate next year. You know, it kind of reminds me of the NFL situation with Colin um, Kaepernick. You know, whether, what are you going to do about it? And so are people going to right. boycott it next year? Not sure. All right, folks, uh, Melik, Jason, Kelly, we appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Folks, when Thanks. we come back, we'll talk with Matthew Stewart of Stewart Speakers. They've been holding this event in th for 30-plus years in Indianapolis, and we'll talk about why it's so important to bring this black lecture series to Indianapolis. That is next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Go check out Roller Martin Unfiltered. YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. 
All right, folks, I'm here in Indianapolis for the second consecutive year uh, for the uh, Stewart uh, Speakers Lecture Series. And so uh, the brothers, the Stewart brothers, Matthew Stewart and his brother, they put this on. They've done this now for 30 years here in Indianapolis, uh, and they have this State of Black America conversation. Last year, uh, I moderated this conversation. We streamed it on Roland Martin Unfiltered. It was a conversation with Reverend Al Sharpton, Susan Taylor, as well as Michael Eric Dyson. This year's conversation uh, features George. Frazier, Reverend Ron, Lauren Simmons, and others as well. So looking forward to that conversation. In a moment, I'm going to talk with Matthew Stewart about this. Uh, this is actually the third time I've been here. There he is. So he's been running around, staying busy. Uh, they do this. So first of all, so this is the, uh, this is the second year I moderated. One other year, I actually was the keynote speaker. Absolutely. So y'all been doing this for three decades? Three decades, yeah. 33 years we've been bringing in everybody who's anybody, thought leaders from across the country from Harry Belafonte to Susan Taylor to Common to Dr. May Jimerson. So over 100 thought leaders have come through this series. Why? So what What? what was the impetus? What, what, what caused you and your brother to say, we got to do this? Yeah, so there is so much happening here in Indianapolis. I mean, our homicide rate was up. Our uh, health rates were skyrocketing where we were losing black males, black women, far too soon. And so we knew that we had to bring in some national thought leaders to dialogue with us. So not only just to talk, because our, our tagline is more than just talk, but to develop a plan of action so that we can start addressing these issues that are impacting our community. And when you think about, again, moving folks to action, what has been the outgrowth of that? Have you actually seen people take what they've heard here and then put it into effect, into plan? in the community. Yeah, absolutely. So our, our churches, our communities of faith have started uh, trying to help lower the homicide rate. And for the first time this year, uh, we think our homicide rate will uh, go down. Uh, not significantly, but it's going trending in the right direction. So houses of faith have been going in their community three, four blocks around their churches and saying that this is not the, the community standard here. We cannot tolerate this. The village needs positive people. We're getting people back from uh, reentry uh, back into the community, and we have to make sure that uh, those coming back to the village are valued and that they understand that this is the new code of conduct in our community. You also have a youth component. Reverend Run this uh, this afternoon talked to uh, largely um, uh, African-American men, but also uh, some uh, other folks as well. Uh, why is that also important to be able to uh, integrate uh, speaking to young folks as well as those who are attending the lecture series tonight? Yeah, absolutely. So black males, again, I, I, I talked about that homicide rate of the 117 or 18 homicides this past year. 77 of those have been African-American males here in Indianapolis. And so we're trying to get uh, grapple with that. And they understand uh, uh, Reverend Run because he speaks their language. And so to have three, 400 black males in a room where you have the founder of DMC in that room, they understand that, they listen, they connect. Well, it was interesting. We were in the car, arrived from the airport, and he was, he was going to put on his suit and his collar because he is also a minister. Right. Uh, he said, should I change it? He had an Adidas tracksuit. I'm like, no, 
wear what you got on. Trust me, they'll identify with that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, and the feedback that we already are beginning to receive from the young men there at that conference, there was a connection there. And so we will continue to develop them, move them into the direction that we need them to go in our community. All right, folks, so that's going to start at 7, and it's 17, so we got to go. Now, here's the deal. Uh, y'all have been experiencing the delay with the program because it's been real difficult getting a signal out of here. We're going to try to live stream uh, tonight's conversation. If we're unable to get a connection, don't worry about it. We're going to record it, take that file, and then stream it tomorrow. But we're going to try to make it happen. Uh, but, again, we're, we, you know, we have to operate based upon technology, and so we'll hope to do so. And so we're glad to be here, glad to be back for the second year in a row to moderate this. We had a great conversation last year. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel, see that discussion uh, with Susan Taylor, Michael Larry Dyson, Reverend Al Sharpton. But we're going to have this conversation in just a moment. And so always glad to be back in Indianapolis. So I got to go. Uh, thank you, Melick, Kelly, and Jason for being on the show. All of our guests as well. Folks, you know how I end the show? Be sure to support us at Roller Martin Unfiltered. Go to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Use Cash App, Square, PayPal uh, to support what we do. Join our Bring the Funk fan club because every dollar makes this possible. We get to travel to places like this, broadcast a show from cities all across the country because nobody else is doing a black daily digital show. Nobody. That's why we do it. So I got to go. Time to go to work. Holla! Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.